0: You can turn to Luke 19. Luke 19, we're gonna pick up in verse 28, go to verse 40. That's gonna be Luke 19. I'll meet you there in just a second. Uh, You know, um, we really don't know with certainty what's going to be happening at any given moment on any given day. We make plans, we make preparations, uh, we hope for the best, but we really don't know if what we are hoping for, what we actually had in our calendar is actually gonna take place. I mean, this morning, uh, I didn't know if I was even gonna wake up. I woke up. I didn't know if I was gonna have breakfast. I didn't. I didn't know if I was, uh, I don't know what's gonna happen on my way to church. I got here. Uh, I didn't know where I was gonna park. I found a spot. Uh, there's a lot of things that I, I didn't know. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's good to plan. But there is a lot of embedded unknownness in our scheduling. That's a little different for Jesus, especially on today. Today is known as Palm Sunday. And in 2,000 years ago, Jesus woke up this morning and saying, Today, I'm going to be worshipped. Today, he had it in his calendar that today he would be worshipped. He would be recognized For who he truly is. There was no doubt. There was no uncertainty whatsoever as to what was going to happen today. Today was the day that Jesus would be worshipped. And we pick that up really and read this story in Luke 19. And as we read Luke 19 starting in verse 28. uh, You probably got a card on your way in. I think I have one actually in my Bible. And you have this card on the way in. And we just encourage you, as we're going through this story, as you see things about Jesus that are worthy of worship, that Jesus is this, and he's worthy to be worshiped because he is this, just jot that down. There'll be an opportunity later on to pray about that. All right. Let's read, picking up in verse 28 of chapter 19. And when he, that is Jesus, had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. And so so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, And glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus gives four instructions here to his disciples. And the first thing that we see is that Jesus will be worshiped today. Because Jesus is the Lord God. Jesus is the Lord God. He gives his disciples four instructions, really simple. Go into the village. Untie a donkey, a colt. That's a young male donkey. Let the owners know that it's for the Lord. And bring it to me. Now, as we read this story, Jesus makes It's very clear that he himself is actually the Lord being spoken of. The Lord has need of it. And Jesus actually makes it very clear that he's the one who is actually the Lord God. Quite uh, on the front of it is just simply because he perfectly predicts the future. I mean, he completely anticipates everything that happens. Not just that uh, there's going to be a a donkey in this town, but a donkey with a colt has never been sat on. It's going to be tied up. That's exactly how they find it. They untie it. He said, you're going to be asked, why are you untying it? This is what they're going to say. This is what you're going to say. They're going to give you permission, and you are going to bring it here. It's exactly the way Jesus predicted it. Jesus is the Lord God. But it's not just his predictions that tell us that Jesus is the Lord God but his instructions as well. You notice that he claims to be the Lord God, Yahweh himself. That's his personal covenant name that God gave to his people by instructing his disciples to bring the colt here to him because the Lord has need of it. And since the donkey is brought to Jesus in verse 35, and Jesus is the one who gets on the donkey It's clear that Jesus is saying, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord who has need of it, and this is my donkey. Now, Jesus didn't just need a donkey because he was getting tired. It wasn't the matter where he's just like, you know what, I don't want to walk anymore. Uh, That wasn't the case. He walked his whole life, he walked his whole ministry. It certainly wasn't the situation that the Lord God, the creator and maker and sustainer of the universe suddenly got tired and needed a beast of burden just to kind of, you know, lift his feet for a little bit. No, Jesus needed a donkey because he was fulfilling a very specific prophecy of the Messiah. And that's the second reason why Jesus will be worshipped today, is that because Jesus is the Messiah King. He's the Messiah King. You see, hundreds of years earlier, there was a prophet named Zechariah. And he prophesied that you will recognize the Messiah when it comes to you by the way he enters into the city of Jerusalem. He says in Zechariah 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See how incredibly specific this is, and how Jesus is fulfilling it. A donkey, of course, is a symbol of peace. A fitting ride and whip for the king of peace who comes in as the Messiah who will accomplish and bring about peace and salvation for his people. Jesus knew this prophecy. And he knew that by entering Jerusalem riding on this donkey, this colt of a donkey. He would be signaling to everyone that the Messiah has come and that he indeed Was the Messiah. Jesus woke up that morning as the Messiah, as the King, and said, I need to find myself a donkey. It's time to praise the Lord. And this is exactly what his disciples started to do. And all the multitude that had been following him, they knew this prophecy. They recognized what was going on. They knew what Jesus was doing, and they recognized him as the Messiah. Coming into Jerusalem, the Messiah king. And what do they do? They worship him. They worship him, and they worship him in a few different ways. Verse 35 and 36 says that they they placed their cloaks on the donkey that Jesus might sit on them. And they threw their cloaks down on the road in front of the donkey so that he might ride upon them. These are all acts of homage and worship, of reverence and surrender to the King, Jesus Christ, as Messiah. It also says in verse 37 that they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. They were singing, they were shouting out his praise, and they were making up worship songs on the spot, lyrics full of all the things that they had seen Jesus do and opening the eyes of the blind and making the deaf hear and the mute sing and the lame leap and the dead live. They were worshiping, it was a worship session. And lastly in verse 38, they cry out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now they're quoting an Old Testament passage here, Psalm 118, a song that rejoices in the coming Messiah. It says in Psalm 118, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. That whole phrase, you can say, Hosanna. Hosanna. Hebrews are very efficient. Oh, Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. In fact, he doesn't just merely come in the name of the Lord. He is the Lord who comes in his own name to bring salvation for his people. But he doesn't just come to bring salvation. He also comes to bring peace through that salvation. And which is why they exclaim, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Which you might sound really familiar to what, what the angels sang when Jesus was born. Back in Luke 2, verse 14, where the angels and a whole choir exploded in praise and said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. With Jesus' birth and with Palm Sunday and what he was about to do that week with his crucifixion and death and resurrection, Jesus, as the Messiah King, was about to accomplish peace for all of heaven and earth. As the King of Kings, to the glory of God his Father, which all of creation would praise him for and raise his praise to the highest heights of heaven. Uh, Surprisingly, though, you'll notice that not everyone was singing this day. There were some who saw what was happening, but their mouths were shut. In fact, instead of singing, they were seething with anger. They knew the prophecies. They knew what Jesus was doing. And they recognized that he was signaling to everyone that he was the Messiah. No one just kind of walks in on a donkey and everyone praising and, and singing psalms, messianic psalms. And they knew exactly what was going on, but they hated it. And they actually command Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They tell him, Stop this nonsense. Can you imagine telling Jesus? I mean, like, when you're talking to a king, the last thing you do is tell him what to do. But this is what they're doing. And not only that, but here is Jesus, the one who reigns in heaven and on earth, who's now riding into Jerusalem. He is the one who he must have been thinking, I woke up this morning knowing exactly what was going to happen, and there's nothing the Pharisees can do to stop it. I mean, all of history is aiming at this event. All of the Word of God has been unfolding to this very point that Jesus must fulfill this prophecy. He must get on that donkey. He must go into Jerusalem, and the And the people will recognize him as the Messiah. They will shout his praise. They will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He will be praised today. It's unstoppable. It's guaranteed his worship is unthwartable because God's word cannot be broken. Even if, even if there was some way that the disciples could somehow stop worshiping, Jesus says that the rest of Christ's creation choir would jump in and fill in the gap. Even the rocks would cry out and take up the melody. It's going to happen. Jesus will be worshiped on Palm Sunday. And this is the last thing that we see, that Jesus will be worshiped because he is the redeemer of all creation. He is the redeemer of creation. Sometimes we forget that it's just not us as people that were waiting and longing for the coming of the Messiah. Romans 8 reminds us of this. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. As we've been going through Genesis, we've learned how as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, creation itself was subjected to the curse of corruption and futility, enslaved to decay and to death. But in the Garden of Eden that day, (laughs) I'm positive there were gophers and grasshoppers and magpies and maples and hyenas and hills, all kind of leaning in and eavesdropping on what God gave, a shocking promise to Eve that put all the rest of creation on standby. And it was this, that God promised that he would send a son and a seed of Eve that would come. And he would deal with the sin and death and the curse that was on all of creation. And so all creation has been waiting for this time, waiting for this moment when the one who would come and crush the serpent's head, the one who would reverse the curse would finally come. And he's here. He's here. He's coming in. He's coming into his city. He arrives to Jerusalem. The one that they have been waiting for This is the very one throughout his entire ministry, fish lovingly, happily jumped into fishermen's nets to die, if only to show and prove to the disciples that this was the one Messiah. He was the true Messiah, which they will obey even unto death. This is the one whom fig trees will willingly wither at the command of their king just to prove that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. This is the one that water happily turns into wine. The water that also upheld the very maker and sustainer and redeemer of water at his own command. Simply to show that this is truly the Messiah. Oh, creation knows when the maker shows up and His savior is here. It knows its creator's voice. And it responds Appropriately. And on this Palm Sunday, Jesus Himself says that if He gave the word, the very stones and rocks that the donkey was walking on would begin to vibrate with praise. We'd begin to quake the earth and shake with worship if He just gave the word. God has embedded this into the very fabric of creation. Even the donkey, I'm positive, would have started braying and baritone the praises of God at Jesus' word. And this isn't just a one-time event, kind of like a little one-off. This is actually what's going to happen in all of creation. Psalm 148 says, it's a wonderful psalm, we're just taking a section here. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great creatures, you great sea creatures, and all deeps, not just the creatures, but the actual deep oceans that the creatures live in, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things. And flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples. Princes and all rulers of the earth. Young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn of salvation for his people the praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. God has indeed raised up a horn, a strong king. That's what that means a strong king to bring salvation, who is a source of praise for all peoples and all creation. Do you notice here that the Lord's not merely interested in having birds and animals and creeping things and fish to praise him, but the very elements in which and on which they exist. He's interested in drawing out praise from the very granite, from the very water, from the very wind that these animals and birds and fish exist. All of creation will worship him, whether it's wet or dry or winged or legged or animate or inanimate. All is hardwired by the, crea- by the creator to worship him in some way, but also in a complementary way. So that all together, it forms this wonderful choir of creation in which all of creation will resonate with worship to him. I love music. I love hearing a solo. But there's something about listening to a choir. When you hear the unison and the harmony and the volume, this is what it'll be like. Can you imagine being part of Christ's creation choir? I mean, you got stars and seagulls bringing in soprano. You got mountains and whales singing bass. Maybe lobsters and crabs that are clicking percussions with their claws. I don't know. but. As people, as people, we have the greatest capacity for worship in all of God's creation. And we will. We will praise him. Philippians 2 guarantees this. Paul says, therefore God has highly exalted him, Jesus Christ, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee." should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That is, every knee of a person who's alive on earth or who has died and is in heaven or in hell, every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Every knee will bow. Every language and tongue will acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah as he claimed to be, as he signaled to everyone as he was riding it on the donkey. Yes, he is the Messiah King. And yes, he is the Lord God to the glory of the Father. The question is not whether he will be worshipped. The question is whether you will worship him. The Pharisees made their decision that day. They were not interested. They saw the signs. They knew exactly what Jesus was doing, but they didn't like it at all. They loved their own program. They loved their own agenda. They loved exalting themselves and pursuing their own desires and pursuing their own kingdom. And that did not end well for them. We need to get on the program with the rest of creation. We need to see Jesus as who he is as Messiah King, as Lord God, as creation's Redeemer and our Savior. All of the rest of creation has already made up its mind. Uh, They've already made their decision. But who will we worship? Are you going to let stones out-worship you? Are we going to let whales and worms out-praise us? Are we going to let other parts of God's creation outpraise the king, though we have more reason and faculties to do so. (laughs) No, no, we will not. We will not. We want to make sure that we are on the knee-bending, hallelujah-singing, Jesus-praising program. That's what we are on. Christ commands all creation of all people to worship him as the Messiah King, as the Lord God, as the Redeemer and Savior of the world, don't let creation outsing you. Let us sing and praise Him for who He is. Will you worship Him today? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for sending the Son. Hundreds of years, thousands of years passed in anticipation of that promise when creation leaned in and eavesdropped. And heard you tell Eve in Genesis 3 that you were going to send a son, a seed that would reverse the curse. And here on this day, it is celebrated that he was about to accomplish the very thing that not only all people, all of your people, but all of creation was looking forward to. A way in which you would accomplish peace and salvation for your people and creation. God, we pray that we would respond rightly, that we would get on the program and see what all the rest of creation sees, that we would see you, Lord Jesus, as King and God. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.